When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, dear listener, Joshua here with a plug for our Patreon. Becoming a Fright School patron will give you the opportunity for exclusive access to bonus content, including videos, our secret show, book club, and even monthly online hangouts with us. That's right. We've been hard at work preparing all of this exciting content for you, including our brand new secret show, The After Fright School Special. Joe finally gets his revenge by making me watch his favorite films. Some of them will even be gag family friendly. We have four different monthly memberships available. The PTA Booster Club at a dollar, Just Auditing at five dollars, Full Time Load at ten dollars, and the Faculty Lounge at twenty dollars. Every bid helps us keep Fright School going, and we are so grateful for any and all of your support. Join us over at patreon.com slash Fright School. The class you never want to miss just got better. Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Welcome back to Fright School. Hello, Joe. Hi, Joshua. Oh, Joe, it's gay times. That did not go as well as I thought it would. There we go. <laughs> oh my god, they're going to see that. People are going to see that. That's fine. That's true. If you if you're one of our new Patreon subscribers, uh, you can watch this video uh, version of the show instead of just listening. We can be mm-hmm. in your ear and eyeballs at the same time. Uh, yeah, look at my. This is my Elvira fan. Very gay, very Lovely. goth, you know. Lovely. We're ready for we're ready for pride. I mean, I would show you things, but then it wouldn't it wouldn't show because I have the virtual background up because I am ashamed of my surroundings. Um, <laughs> oh, is that my fault? Did I shame you for your background? Like, Joe, make your bed. Jesus. <laughs> Pick up after yourself. You're a grown ass man. <laughs> Ah, uh, yay! But yeah, it is. We're here, and we're queer, uh, and I feel we're like used to it. Yeah, exactly. And I think others are getting used to it, so it's all fine. So, yeah, uh, yes, very, very, uh, very excited for another Pride year. I don't know why I'm saying that because, like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, you like you do not. I'm like care. the least. Yeah, I'm the least like Pride person because I'm just like whatever. You know, like I obviously I like respect the historical roots of pride. It's just that we've gotten so far away from that, that it's like, I don't care. I'm not going to go spend hundreds of dollars. You know, our pride isn't even during June, first of all, because we're in San Diego. So our pride is in July. So we have to wait a whole other month to even do anything. But, you know, spend hundreds of dollars to see the same gay people. I see the same queers that I see any other weekend at the bar, you know, who am I going to hang out with you? Like we could do that for free. Like we are enjoying Mm -hmm. each other's company. I mean, I guess if there were a bunch of naked men dancing around us and we were both wasted, that would be something. 
I don't know what it would be, but it would be, I'm sure it'd be an experience. To have. I mean, we could get Jimmy Kins and Sam Squatcher liquored up and, you know, True. force them to take their clothes off. I mean, that sounds weird. I'm moving on. I don't. Yeah. Very good. We've gone into weird territory. So moving on. Happy it has been, pride is the point. Yes. And it has been a minute. Play. Since this I've is why seen they you. hate us. This is why they hate us. They're like, see, this is the problem. Talking, this is why we talking. Have to their rights. Keeps keeps talking. Oh. <laughs> we get it, Joshua. Everything is shit. Ah, <laughs> uh, except this being here with you. Yay! It has been a minute since I've seen you. It has been. Yeah, we took some time off to get our Patreon together and try to get ahead of some. Uh, some of the content that we're doing for it. And, you know, plus I just graduated. It was nice to just take a couple weeks and not use my brain for anything, <laughs> even horror. Uh, although I did a ton of reading. I did read, uh, but it's, it's not the same for me. Like, you know, reading like research papers and school books is not the same as like reading for leisure and pleasure and mm-hmm. fun. So I did Leisure and that. pleasure and fun. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what, I was doing there. <laughs> uh, but yes, it has been a while. How are you doing? I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm fabulous. I'm fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's, I uh, love the beautiful apartment that you're living in. Look at this. It's I gorgeous. No, <laughs> we should leave the, leave the, leave the windows open, leave the, draw the drapes, let them see inside. Yes. And are those clouds, are the, those clouds made of spun glass? Oh, <laughs> 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 that we'll get to that in the in the next part of the episode, y'all. Um, <laughs> uh, so, what's been going on? What have you been watching? What have you been doing? I mean, I've been I've been living my life. Um, I've been yeah. living in this. Uh, you know, I'm not. I, I I hate it when people say post COVID, like you know, we're in a post COVID world because we're not. So I've been um, encouraging people to say, you know, uh, post vaccine, the post vaccine world. Because that's that is more accurate to our description. So in the post-vaccine landscape, I've been doing well. You know, had um, had some trips. Did some trips with Jimmy Kins um, e- to Los Angeles, where we saw a couple shows as part of the Netflix is a joke comedy festival. Oh yeah, yeah, Los Angeles. Who was your favorite comedian you saw uh, um, out there? Well, I mean, so we did go to one comedian show, Jonathan Van Ness at the Orpheum. But the best show was the showcase of all LGBT comedians that was at the Greek theater. And that's actually coming to, um, it should be out in a, in about a later this week, I think, um, if I'm oh, getting on Netflix, uh, on, on Netflix. And cool. it was like everybody, Eddie Izzard, Wanda Sykes, Margaret Cho. Um, was Fortune Famester there? Fortune Feimster was there. Yeah. Rosie O'Donnell with the Gay Men's Chorus. Trixie Mattel. Um, I'm naming the people who you care about. So um, there are plenty of people who were great that I you don't know because you don't care about them. So um, uh, Sarah <laughs> there Paulson might have been was some. Sarah Paulson was there. Sandra Bernhard, Ani DeFranco. Um, Sarah Paulson. Sarah Paulson introduced um, one wow. of the comedians. Huh, how yeah. cool. Well, that it was, sounds super fun. I'm jealous. I wish I would have went. Yes, it was. It was fun. It was also in just true. It was true gay fashion. Like it did not start on time. 
and it needed to start on time because towards the end they were running out of like <laughs> people have left we don't have much time so i'll be curious yeah. to see how they uh it will be really cur- uh, interesting to see how they edited everything together yeah but but huh. yeah so that that was good um i'm watching a lot of different things right now i just finished stranger things uh the first part of season four or senior stranger things four um it's very horror, but it's very good, very delight, very delicious. Um, looking forward to the series wrapping up uh, next month in July. Yeah, um, I watched uh, so much. I watched the new Doctor Strange directed by Sam Raimi, which it definitely has his like horror flavor on it. Um, I'm currently watching uh, I Love That For You on Showtime, which is a great comedy with uh, Jennifer Lewis and Molly Shannon. Again, naming Jennifer only the West. people that you care about uh, because... No, I want to watch that. I, I, that's on our list to watch because I love... Um, uh, what's it, Vanessa Bayer? She's mm-hmm. the, heading that, right? Yeah. Um, she's delightful. The it's whole, very the her. Of that. Yeah, it's, it seems it's, great. It's very her. Like, I'm like, I've seen her play this character on SNL before, but it's delightful. And so is she. Um, and I also started watching, <laughs> I started watching The Time Traveler's Wife on HBO. Uh, Sounds which romantic. It is. And I don't quite know how I feel about it yet, but it's, it'll be fun. I love the, I love the way that they're just kind of like, you know, it's about time travel. <laughs> We're doing it. <laughs> Going all in <laughs> that time travel narrative. It's also like two, English or two British actors trying desperately to not like speak their accents. It's uh, Theo James and uh, Rose Leslie. Uh, and she played Ygritte in uh, Game of Thrones. Oh. You, know, you know, nothing Jon Snow, like her, it, her accent goes in and out, which is, it's really fun to watch. Um, <laughs> but yeah, love, the, that's just that. a, you know, um, highlight, uh, I want to ask you, uh, well, I'm going to ask you what you've watched, but there is something that we watched. We both watched during this time, which is everything everywhere all at once. So oh, I want yeah. us to, I want us to, if you could end with that so we can have a conversation about it. This is oh, us producing yeah. the podcast in person. live. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. So I've been, uh, the new season of hacks is out, which I love. I've been really enjoying it. Uh, I don't think it's like, well, I don't want to be like, oh, it's not as good as the first season because that's not exactly right. It's just its own thing. Uh, but I've been enjoying that. Uh, I'm really behind on Stranger Things, so I am going to try to commit to getting caught up on that because I really want to watch the new season because I'm hearing lots of good horror stuff about it. Uh, you know, lots of good homage references. I know Robert England is going to pop up in it or does pop up in it somewhere. So I'm very, very excited to uh, get back into that. Uh, what else? Oh, you know what we did watch, <laughs> which I mean, I guess I should probably save this for like after Fred school, but um, we watched that Chippendales movie. Uh, <laughs> Chippendale, the new, yeah, right, exactly. But I love, I'm a big fan of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I just, I love that movie when I was a kid. It's one of my like favorite, you know, kind of, that's like a great sick day watch. You know, if you, if you're looking for something that's not horror, <laughs> if it's not the ring um, or, you know, some other like the uh, ring of the witch. 
Right. Um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is a great, like, you know what, I'm just going to lay in bed and, like, do nothing and watch, like, you know, a fun, silly movie. And, like, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is definitely, like, one of those for me. And so I kept hearing everybody posting about it. Like, if you're, like, our age, you know, in your mid-30s or whatever, or 40s, um, you're going to love this movie. Lots of good references. Lots of blah, 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 blah. And people kept comparing it to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So I was like, you know, let's watch it. We had to watch it in two over two nights because, again, we're old. We're falling asleep. <laughs> uh, but we did watch it. And it was it was delightful. Uh, did you watch it yet? I am I'm have no plans to watch it at all. Oh, OK. OK. Uh, that surprises me. I think you'd enjoy it. It was very referential. Lots of, like, stuff in it that was just like, wow, this is... It's on something else, you know, very adult in some ways, because it's like taking like these characters and they're older and it's it's very like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, where the cartoon characters are actors, you know, and so they're Mm. going they're They're like at a fan con, uh, you know, like taking pictures of people and stuff. It's like um, Disney's Peter Pan is like this old like alcoholic or something now or looks like it. He's like kind of running this like crime ring. which is actually kind of interesting because Bobby Driscoll, who voiced Peter Pan in the original, like died of like alcoholism, I think, like in destitution. Yeah, it's terrible. So I don't know. There's like some weird echoes there. But anyways, lots of stuff in the movie that's like not really for kids, even though kids could watch it kind of like Roger Rabbit. So we really enjoyed it. We laughed about it. Nice. I've um, never seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit. What? That surprises me. Yeah. See, there, you. I think you think that I've had this like very like sterile i like idyllic childhood where i watched no, all the I, disney <laughs> things like, well well roger rabbit is touchstone pictures again it's kind of adult so i mean but i would have figured somewhere along the lines you would have watched it like even as a grown-up mm-hmm, uh, you know we no. did see it as kids even though again i do think there are moments of it that might be a little inappropriate even scary uh you know um christopher well see i don't want to say anything because christopher um, marlowe no, not Christopher Marlowe, but I want you to watch it. I, we should watch it together because I think it'd be really fun. I think you'd enjoy it um, when we need like a break from something or we can cover it on, you know, after fight school. And that's right. You know, and now we have that. We, we have that. Uh, <laughs> we'll we have put that, that in our pocket. Yeah. Put that in our pocket. Um, <laughs> I love this. We're now making every single thing we do. We're putting into this show somehow, some way mm-hmm. uh, for you, dear listener, for exactly. you, dear watcher, wherever, whichever one you're doing mm-hmm. right now. We're just, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, we're just two really strong drinks and some bad decisions away from creating a Fright School OnlyFans. Like that's, <laughs> let's, and it, and oh, it's not sexual in nature at all. It's just Joshua painting his nails, but like it's ASMR and, you know, me looking at books, but not reading them. Right. Hemlock has joined us. Yes. Oh, see, if you are one of our, uh, a shout out to one of our, um, uh, full load subscribers you can actually see the video uh it it's at that level right <laughs> actually i think it's at the um auditing level oh right well uh, five dollars so five dollars yeah. a month you could watch you could ignore everything we're saying and just stare at hemlock see him yeah. here hemlock is, he is hemlock is now just going to be in the, <laughs> it, just in the show people are just going to look at it and it just um, makes sense because otherwise he's just going to yell and scream so which he was doing i'm sure people could hear yeah. it in the background he finally came in and went back on the chair which is where he started and then he left right before we started recording Anyways. if you uh if you stare at hemlock long enough uh, he stares back into your soul and eventually will drag you with him to the underworld so good luck <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, not in those dopey eyes. You end up in fucking Wonderland or something, you know. But some like bad, like a like a um, a bootleg. To bring it back to Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, bootleg Wonderland. So it's not even like the real Disney's Wonderland. It's something made in, you know, somebody's basement somewhere. A terrible rendition that was me having a sip of water <laughs> lovely i i just finished my whole 42 ounce thing 48 oh, ounce thing good for you getting yeah. water she don't read but she does stay hydrated you know i do i do be staying hydrated um other than, i'm trying to think of anything else that uh we're keeping up on we're watching severance uh with our wednesday group our wednesday television watching group i've been enjoying that it's freaking weird I have no idea what's going on. We've watched like six episodes and it's like, what the hell is going on? It's like yellow jackets. Like what is happening? Uh, what is the story here? Uh, but it's enjoyable. It's fun. Uh, well, fun is probably not the right word, but it's kind of existentially. <laughs> I don't know. It's like working in a corporate environment. You know how it is. Mm-hmm. It's just like, is this my life? It's kind of what it is. Uh I'm sure I've done other fun things this week that I could tell you about. <laughs> well, you've watched everything everywhere all at once. That's right. I was getting to that. I was just trying to think if there was anything else to throw out before, you know, I mean, lots of stuff has happened. Things are going on, but we're not talking about all that. So we're, try- we're, we're creating our own world free from the depths and herds, the Putins, you know, free from all the horrors of the world. <laughs> Joshua did that I just thing. Putin and the same. Joshua did that thing where he <laughs> talked about the things that he doesn't want to talk about. Like, mm-hmm. I want to create our own world free from insert yes. all the horrors here. Yeah. <laughs> well, also, what I was doing that you don't really know and it's going to sound really crazy was I was kind of doing a Bjork reference. One of her songs ends with, like, I want to create a place free from all Osamas and Bushes. It was like during, you know, it was 2004. Anyway, it's not the point that we're so off track. Everything, everywhere, all at once, at the same time, going round and round. Uh, Yeah, we went actually and saw that. Uh, As of recording, I actually just came home from it. So I just saw it. Yeah, so it's really Uh, fresh for you. It is very fresh. So I'm still digesting it uh, because it did take some twists there that were very uh, meaningful, you know, like I was sort of like, I, I really missed my mom, you know, you know, it's just like, it recalled that kind of thing of like, you know, just, you know, you work so hard for your kids and, you know, you, you sacrifice and do so much and, you know, uh, and life can still suck, you know, and not to say that Evelyn, like the character, she's not a great mom either, you know, in the sense of like, she is in like, you know, you know, you feeding and clothing your kid and whatnot, but like, you know, she's like, Hey, you need to stop eating. Cause you're fat. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> I like wanted to fall out of the theater seat. Um, you know, there were just moments of it that I'm like, Whoa, this, this is getting very real. You know, there were just moments of realness in this like psychotic kaleidoscope of a film. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it though. We left like, that was cool. Uh, it was, it was, it was quite an experience. Uh, I, I do think it could have been trimmed. I'm get, I'm that, I'm that person now. I don't want a three hour movie just because you can, you know, like I know it was two and a half hours or whatever, but it's like, you don't need to like, just like not everything needs to be a fucking television series, you know, like we can shorten stuff. So there were just a few like really slow motion moments. And I'm like, we've got the point we can trim this, you know, give us a few seconds back. 
So there was some of that. I felt the same way about the Batman, even though I loved it, you know, but I would have, I would have cut like a half hour out of that movie. Uh, easy. Just give me the scissors. <laughs> uh, but this, uh, yeah, I just would have trimmed it a little, but other than that, it was really fun. What did you think of it? Cause you saw it. You're one of the people that raved about it. I have people on my Facebook feed. I've seen it three times. I'll go again. I'll go. I mean, people are like, minds are blowing for this movie. Oh, it was fantastic. Um, it was probably one of the more original stories um, that we've seen on film and taking a concept that's like really being explored right now by like a huge company, Marvel, exploring like the idea and the concept of the multiverse, right? Right. But it does it in such a way that like it really, like you really kind of got lost in the world and you wanted to know a little bit more about it. Um it's also just like irreverent as fuck and beautifully the costume design, the cinematography of it, everything, all the little details of like how they access the different things. Cause it was just like, it reminded me of some of my favorite TV shows too. Like it reminded yeah. me of dollhouse, uh, Joss Whedon's dollhouse. that was on Fox where, you know, these people have like access to different, uh, to different abilities. Yeah. Um, I remember that show. I didn't yeah. watch it, but I, I remember being on television. Yeah, it was Sorry, just so uh, it w- it was just so good in doing that, and then also just like from like you know the 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 POC the immigrant narrative of it all, and kind of relating yeah. all of that into it. Um, Stephanie Shu, who plays um, who plays Joy slash uh, Jobu Tapaki, is just fantastic in it um is it shu or sue because we had a uh, we had a doctor that was sue um, um, but i was sure. but i know she's on the marvelous mrs mazel so i was like oh my gosh i love her she's a fantastic actress but sorry i've heard ahead. um i've heard people uh in another podcast who actually know her personally say stephanie shu cool uh but yeah like it's just amazing what she does <laughs> um and i mean you know michelle yo is just you know i love that in a multiverse her character is basically michelle yo like <laughs> kung fu star actress yeah. um yeah. and it just evoked like different things from cinema too like it there was the whole kind of like in the mood for love wong kar wai kind of stuff going on where she's yeah. the movie star um there's like the the absurdity of the hot dog fingers like i looked up the daniels um who wrote and directed it and um the daniels also did swiss army man um and they and most famously i think my favorite thing that they've done is the music video for uh turn down for what uh oh. which like if you haven't seen the music video for Turn Down for What, like it, it's no surprise that they made a movie like this. I have not, I've not seen that, but I, I believe you. <laughs> yeah, it was very good. I I can't wait to watch it again, and I can't wait in like you know five to ten years when uh, the Criterion Collection uh, <laughs> uh, Blu-ray comes out for this. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely one of those kind of movies. We will definitely see that happen. Uh, yeah. I love that, uh, that, that what you're saying, like the meta kind of commentary on Michelle's uh, actual career, uh, because there was like chatter when it first came out, there was somebody did a review or something that was like, you know, it's so great to see like these people get like, you know, these actors and actresses get like a chance to like make this kind of movie. And it's like, do you not know who any of these people are? Do you not know who Michelle Yeoh is? <laughs> like, do you have no idea about like the breadth of like martial arts and like, uh, you know, other films, like just besides that, like that she's made and been in, like as if it was just some kind of fluke that, you know, they were talking specifically about like Michelle Yeoh, the actress. I just think they were commenting on everybody in the film, like the film itself, like that this was like this Asian action film, like as if it was like, as if these were a bunch of nobodies or something. Well, because I've heard it, uh, I've heard it as like, uh, bringing like it's the, the thing that Michelle Yeoh has said in interviews is like Evelyn Wong is could be anybody like there's it could be millions of women like there are millions of women who are the who are Evelyn Wong where it's like you walk you walk by her on a Chinatown um, passing by a street like that's the the kind of these for like forgotten women quote unquote kind of yeah no no, no 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 that's not what I mean yes absolutely I yeah. I would agree that like is clearly this is about like the everyday woman mm-hmm. who suddenly is like the crux of like the universe you know yeah um, again which is a nice comment on like women holding every fucking thing together like men think they rule the world and it's like yeah because of women's labor um, you know, the labor of women that keeps everything um, together in so many ways, you know. Uh, so in all, you know, metaverses, <laughs> it's, you know, women sure. are are extremely important to the, to the foundations of, of society and of culture. But I was just talking about like the actual, the act, the actual people in the film. Um, but I think it got corrected really early and people were like, stopped, you know, like sharing that. But um, it was just something I saw when the movie first came out and I was like, Pfft. These people like, do they not watch TV? They don't watch mm. anything like not know that like Michelle Yeoh is a huge like star <laughs> in her own right. Um, but regardless of that, I just, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm still kind of figuring out like exactly what it, you know, what I saw, but it did. I mean, I almost started crying at one point cause it was just, it was, there were some very beautiful moments of it. It just, mm-hmm. you know, when you do question, like we do, we make a lot of choices every day and a lot of decisions and like, you know, how are, when, how do we know we're making the right choices or how do we know that this is like the life we're meant for, you know, those kinds of things. So it just left me like everything anymore these days with a lot of existential <laughs> thoughts leaving the theater. But yeah, uh, I was super jealous of Joy's like outfits. Oh my gosh. She got to have so much fun. Cause when they first showed her, uh, you know, and she's in like the kind of the dirty hoodie and her hair. And she's, you know, she's just very, which I'm used to seeing her on Marvel Sisters Maisel, which is like set in the forties or the fifties or whatever it is now, sixties, I guess, but starts in the fifties. Um, when you meet her, she's just kind of glam for that time, like her hair and her dresses and her like outfits and stuff. So she's like super like, you know, fashionable. So I was like, Oh, this is kind of cool to see her do something different. And then like the flip of like her playing this, you know, character in these like incredible, bjork like outfits i'm like this is awesome the clothing the like the fashion was super cool uh for the villain which mm-hmm. i love you know i'm here for i'm here for a good villain <laughs> yeah i was very couture i i found that i like <laughs> I, I this is gonna sound really strange coming from me but i like i was like really 
uh, I found everything that was like all of the like the deep nihilism that Joe Butupaki like created was just really resonated with me because it's because yeah. and it also like I think like it's also I think a function of COVID right like it's mm-hmm. a function of just kind of where we are with COVID and this is one of those movies that like I I don't want to know what it would have been like it probably would not have been made pre uh you know without without covid um influencing it and it would have been made in such a different way because like yeah. the the story like they used that building like they had access to this entire building and it was like an eight week shoot um and so like it felt really contained but also at the same time like the, the because it's multiverse it was all over the place um and then I just love anything where like, you know, a literal gag, like an everything bagel, like that's just right. beautiful. Yeah. Um, when that part was happening, Jeffrey and I were like, what? <laughs> it was like a moment to like, uh, you know, wrap our heads around what, what was mm-hmm. being said, but um, oh my gosh, the dog, the um, like the uh, go-go Yabari type. <laughs> Sweet dog. We laughed so hard when that dog went flying. <laughs> we were like, and we were in, there were uh, four other people in the theater. We saw this at 9, 10 a.m. So perfect for us. We found a theater again that does really early showings. So we went very early this morning. There were only six of us in the theater. The other people didn't laugh. They didn't like do anything throughout the whole film. But like Jeffrey and I were like laughing, like, you know, not like being like messy or anything, not interrupting other people. No, but, but you were enjoying when, the film. Yeah. When the dog like went flying, we both like laughed so hard for probably a little bit of a, a longer time than necessary, but it was pretty fucking funny. Plus it was, what's her face um, from Saturday Night Live and uh, Parks and Rec. Uh, Jenny oh, gosh, Slate. Yes, isn't that her? Wasn't that the actress? Jenny Slate was in Saturday Night Live. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, she was only on one season. She like there was like drama because she um said fuck, you know, live mm. on the th- she was supposed to say something else. Uh but yeah, she was on the 35th season. Uh yeah, on on uh Saturday Night Live 2009 to 2010. So they dispute that it was because of the F word, but like she'd said that and then went away. And she's like really funny. Like she's a really good actress. Like I've seen her in quite yeah. a few things. She was funny in this. I mean, this is like a little cameo quick, you know, thing. Um, well, not really a cameo, but you know what I mean? It's not like she yeah. has a huge part, uh, but, but she was hilarious in it. So anyways, yeah, everything, everywhere, all at once. You should definitely see it. Dear listener, give us your thoughts. Sound off. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it as well, Joe. I do see why everybody's talking about it. It it makes sense to me. Um, I can't wait for it to be like able to be watched at home and like watch it with you again. Like I would love to watch it with you again. Yeah. Sorry. This cup is so you can't see this. Well, you can see it. Actually, some of you can see it. Some of you can see it. If you, you know, if you're a yeah. Patreon subscriber, it was given to Jeffrey for his for a birthday. I think it was for his 50th birthday, or maybe it was earlier than that. Maybe it was 40. We've had it a very long time, so I can't remember. Uh, it says it's time to start lying about your age, and then underneath it says "old fucker." And I usually <laughs> I drink out of this. I don't really think that anybody can see it, but then I thought, oh, they could probably read this mug. 
anyways, not okay. the point. Listen, we're we're gonna move on and uh, we're gonna kick off our June series uh, of of queer horror you know, tales. <laughs> like it's a campfire uh, with 1948's uh, Alfred Hitchcock. Yay. We've got, we're doing a Hitchcock again. Uh, look at that. The, even the name is kind of gay. Uh, Rope. We'll be right back. I just want to apologize. I'm sorry to everyone. I was very naive very stupid and I shouldn't have put other people in danger I am so sorry for everything that has happened because in spite of what Joshua says it's now all my fault I insisted our listeners subscribe to Fright School on Apple Podcasts I insisted they leave us reviews I insisted that they give us a five star rating And it's all because of me that we're here now and we're being hunted. I love you, Mom and Dad. I am so sorry. I only wanted to make good content for our listeners. I'm so scared. Joshua, is that you? Welcome back. Oh my gosh. Sorry. Lillian has now joined the, uh, joined the chat. She's annoying me. Anyways, welcome back. We are diving in this week with, uh, Alfred Hitchcock's 1948 film rope. Mm, I like something I can, I can roll my R's, uh, rope, uh, based on a play. Actually, look at that. The theater, this gets gayer by the second, uh, 1929 play of the same name by Patrick Hamilton. Uh, and it was adapted. Who'd you say it was Hume Cronin? That was Hume such Cronin. A delightful, that was such a delightful moment in the watch where you're like, Hume Cronin, <laughs> like of all the things to be like, ha ha, that's the thing. Ah, it was Hume uh, Cronin. Yeah, he did the story screenplay by Arthur Luron or Lawrence, um, L A U R E N T S. <laughs> I'm going to say Luron just to be fun. Arthur Luron. Well, it's, he's it's an American play, right? So probably not. Right. The French are very gay. Uh, we got Jimmy Stewart is here. John Dahl and Farley Granger, who I think were both gay men um, in the notes I was looking at. Yeah. Uh, Joan Chandler, another uh, person you got very excited about. Uh, Sir Cedric Hardwick. Hardwicky. There's lots of that. Hitchcock. Hardwick. Hardwicky. Yes. Getting gay and gay. Douglas Dick. Look at that. Oh, my gosh. This is the gayest movie ever made. Uh <laughs> Uh, so this uh, film is based on a a true crime. Oh my gosh! See, I I feel like I made a left turn somewhere. I should have been doing true crime podcast, Joe. We'll have to work on that. You could produce that for me. Um, yeah, we'll make <laughs> no, it another level time. in Patreon. <laughs> I don't have time for that. Um, anyway, so uh, Leopold and Loeb, you know, they were these two uh, rich dudes. I think they were like eighteen, nineteen years old 
each and they murdered this 14 year old boy for fun. Uh, they were really into Nietzschean, like uh, Ubermensch, like Superman philosophies mm-hmm. and that they being, you know, cultured and wealthy and, you know, therefore better than everyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, they should have the right to, to murder somebody and commit the perfect murder. So they did that. Uh, and then, you know, uh, they were caught and they went to jail, the whole thing, but they were also kind of known for uh, probably being lovers uh, there, I, I know there's some argument, I think, to that. I did not do a deep Leopold and Loeb dive to, like, be sure of all my facts. But I do know uh, that the, there's conversation, at least that one of them said that his only motive was to do what the other wanted. Uh, so, um, you know, and and some of their writings and some of their comments that most likely there was a sexual relationship between them. Uh, which is, again, very interesting to think being like queers in the 20s thinking we're better than everyone else. Like it's such a, a, an interesting mm-hmm. thing to explore, you know, especially in our mm-hmm. culture, because we're so taught to not believe that and to think that we're abnormal and subhuman. And, you know, we, we our rights should be, um, you know, for discussion, uh, you know, should be up for debate uh, by, you know, the majority and by straight people. So it's interesting to kind of to think about that, you know. So anyways, so their crimes have inspired a lot of films, uh, a lot of things, uh, Compulsion, uh, Swoon, Murder by Numbers, Scream, which, you know, again, I keep going back to Scream words. I never really watching Scream. Maybe I'm just a bad gay. I never really got like the Leopold gay reading. I think I talked about this when we were doing our Scream chat again. I never really saw the film that way. Um, it might be because I never thought either of them were attractive. So maybe I just didn't even like, that's a weird, I guess, thing to admit, but probably that I wasn't really attracted. So I didn't sexualize them, you know, mm-hmm. to that degree. But anyways, it's listed as something most likely inspired by, you know, same thing. Two guys thinking like, let's murder some our, our friends for fun. See if we can get away with it. Um, <laughs> oh, well, Kevin Williamson actually confirmed in an interview with Pride Source that uh, they were based on Leopold and Lowe, um, Stu and Billy. Well, whatever. Anyways, most important for today's uh, episode is uh, this film, Rope, from 1948. Joe, let's just dive in with your thoughts. Can you hear him? Is he really loud? I sure oh. can. Hemlock, <laughs> <laughs> come here. Oh, my gosh. You're going to have to do so much editing on these episodes. <laughs> I mean, or we just leave it in and this is, you know, special. This right. Is special. Well, well, I mean, not for the video. Video, oh, no, you no, get yeah. to see it all. Uh, video, you see it. You see it all. You see it raw. All and raw. Um, uh, Anyways, Joe, what did you think of Rope? <laughs> um, I I actually really loved it. Um, Yay! I, again, I, I was, I guess, not, I was not expecting to love it as much as I did. But I was captivated by it. Also, I think it's because I like when you said it was based on a play, I kind of took it as such. And so I kind of treated it with my full attention. Yeah. In that way. And it was also just like brilliantly shot, you know, Hitchcock for as much of a, you know, garbage monster as he was misogynist and all that stuff. I mean, yeah. He 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 was a very talented director, um, and an uh, you know, and a person behind the camera. But it was it's just so cool too because like they were doing things um, with the camera that like you can like you do now with Steadicam technology mm-hmm. that like made me so curious as to how they accomplished that, uh, like all that tracking and moving back and forth without like that steady cam 
that they have now. Yeah, well, I think according to Jimmy Stewart, it really sucked because uh, James Stewart, he did not like it. He felt that the process was more about rehearsing the cameras and not the actors. Uh, it was a quote I read, uh, which, you know, makes sense because you're trying to, you know, you got to make sure that everything is working. So I, I imagine that, mm-hmm. yeah, the tech, the, the performance aspect might get a little lost in the technical demands. Sure. Um, but yeah, watching it, I need to watch it again because I think I... I mean, I've seen it before, but I don't think I've ever paid too much attention to the one because it's meant to be one long shot, you know, and Mm -hmm. I think it's in like little 10 minute segments. So there are different places where they have to choose the cut. Some of them are obvious. There's a scene right at the end where it like zooms in on the back of somebody and then out like that's very clearly where they made a cut. Mm -hmm. Um, And also because it made no sense to do that. Like it was like one of the few parts I think that it's like kind of a silly cut. Like it's one thing to go through a door and yes, you've made a cut or, or do something that serves the plot. But this was Mm -hmm. like, let's just zoom on this guy's back. Now the camera's dark. Oh, now we've switched, you know? So I thought that was weird, but that was the only time that I think I really paid attention and went, Oh, there was a cut, you know? Uh, So yeah, it's very successful that way for being in the forties. And when did steady camp, do you know when that became like a thing? Um, I mean, not till way, not till like, you know, way later, uh, yeah. maybe, maybe if I had to guess, maybe like late nineties, uh, but you know, continue and I can find out right now. Okay. Yes. We both are like looking, um, I'm sure it's earlier than the nineties, but, um, yeah, I mean, I'm guessing somebody just had to care, hold it, or I don't even know how they did it. I did not read like a big, you know, 1975. Okay. There we go. Um, yeah, because I thought there are some like tr- steady cam tracking shots or something in um what was it made for? Like, do you have there what it, like who kind of pushed that technology? Because I feel like it was um invented by Garrett Brown and introduced in 1975 by the Cinema Production Corp Corporation. Um first movie it was used on. Any idea? Uh Steady Cam was first used in the Hal Ashby film Bound for Glory, receiving an Academy Award for oh. Best Cinematography, and has since been on such films as Rocky, Return of the Jedi. I mean, like everyone uses, they right, use it yeah, a lot of on course. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Well, for some reason, I was thinking it was used uh, extensively during The Shining. Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously, yeah, that has a lot of really good um, long takes and moments. Um, anyways, yeah, I, I think that that like really does add to, to the film because I love like a, a movie that's like one day or a couple of hours, this is all like live quote unquote, mm-hmm. like everything that happens is happening in within the context of, of the film's time. Uh, so yeah, I just love that uh, part um, or that, you know, feature of the film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think it's quite a, uh, quite something for, for that, for that time. Um so to get into the the film itself, first of all, it opens up with the murder. Uh, very, again, shocking. I think when, you know, when we think about like horror and we think about like the history of horror, like you watch this now, we were kind of laughing at parts of it. It's a bit campy. It's very arch. You know, there's lots of like dialogue in it that it's just like, yeah, oh man, this is gay. Like, especially mm. because we're talking about a time where some of the things that they say and do are very sub, very, very subtext that that like censors missed, you know, audience may have missed people in the know knew, but now have become, you know, like just part of our, you know, culture in some ways, uh, you know, so you kind of have this very intimate moment where it's like, you know, three men, 
you know, very, you know, together, you know, mm-hmm. murdering this, mm-hmm. you know, the two of them murdering this guy. And then they throw his body in this, it's, it's like a trunk or something, a, a bridal, what do they call it? A trousseau, um, um, a hope chest. a Yeah, something like that. Yeah, big antique wooden chest. Um, there was something I was reading, I think one of the, one of the um, articles I had made a point of what kind of chest it was when talking about like sexuality and mm-hmm. anyways, uh, I might find that later. Uh, anyways, point is, is that, you know, afterwards they kind of, they look very like spent, you know, he like smokes a cigarette, very post-coital. Yeah, it was very post-coital <laughs> yeah. cigarette smoke. Yeah. This thing they've planned to do, they finally do it. And, uh, and the guilt that they feel or well, the guilt that one of them feels right. One of them. Exactly. And the other's like, ah, this is who we are. We're better than everybody else. Remember yeah. we planned this. It's going to be perfect. We're not going to get caught. Smoke another cigarette, have another yeah. drink. Uh, yeah. These two queers like strangling this guy. Oh, well, what did I, I was like, this is kind of, this is like a metaphor for us, Joe. It's like us two queers, you know, strangling every bit of life out of a film, <laughs> all the meaning we can wring out of it and then mm-hmm. leaving it behind. <laughs> that's us. That's, that's you and me. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, what was the point I was trying to make? Oh, just that, that, like it kicks off, like with this extremely, it feels you're just right in it. Like this is so gay already out the gate. Like how did anybody even like question? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> And there's a lot of gay people on the set, gay writers. I think uh, Arthur Lawrence was gay. Um, like I said, several of the actors involved were were known to be gay. Other people working on the film were known to be gay. So much like Bride of Frankenstein and other like horror films like that we talk about, it's like these aren't mm-hmm. just sub- subtextually. Like it's there. It's like in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> this is the yeah. two les. It's not, or it's not the two lesbians. You know, wearing the suits, walking past. You know, in Mame you know, an anti-mame with Rosalind Russell. Like there's like this little second that, you know, Oh, those are lesbians, but do you really, are they, this isn't that, this is like full on in your face. Like, ah, we just murdered this man. And now we're going to throw a party. (laughs) I put all the food out on the trunk. We've hidden his body. in. like, that's gay. Also like, you know, what else is really gay? Like purposely stirring up drama between people, which is what that fucking Brandon does. Yeah. So fucking gay. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Because they killed like, so um, Joan Chandler's character, uh, Janet. So the person they've murdered, his name is David Kentley. That is her fiance. (laughs) So they kill him and then they invite her over along with her ex and like try to like make the get them together. And everybody's worried about like David being missing. Even his parents, they have his parents over there. Uh, Which that whole like the the amount of like psychopathy on display, (laughs) like they're just totally well, at least with. um with Brandon, for sure. Uh, he's He does seem to be the one that's more, you know, like keeping it together and like, we're going to be fine while uh, poor little um, Farley Granger, Philip, Philip Morgan is, you know, mm-hmm. t- torn up inside and just drinking, drinking and drinking and drinking. <laughs> it's sensitive artist that he is, this piano player. Yes. Yeah. Oh, which apparently that piece that he keeps playing was written by a queer uh, composer. I don't know. I, that's just something again that I read. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a, I'm a reader. Uh, <laughs> yes. 
because I picked up this uh, article that's um, it's called um, Hazed, H-A-Y-S apostrophe D. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd find that cute. Decoding the classics. And so Rope was one of them. And so it talked about, I think, um, sorry, I was just looking. I thought it, uh, well, I'll, I'm sure as I'm looking through it, it'll, it'll pop up, but, uh, oh, it does say that this film was banned. Like some of the people, you know, some people did really see like, you know, the queerness of it, like, Oh, implied homosexuality, not on my backyard. Is that what they say? Not in NIMBY. I don't know. Not in my backyard. What did I say? Not on. Nambi. Not Not on my backyard. That would be Nambi. (laughs) Nambi, Nimby, that's right. Not in my backyard. Nambi is the, you know, off-brand Gumby. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was just so, it, it was so swish in parts, so fey the bickering between the two of them. Like, it was like, it was like, if, as if like Jack and Will had murdered a person, like that's right. It was so the best part of it. And also to like, like Brandon serving the face the entire time, like both of them. Yeah. Raise the yeah. eyebrows, like, you know, looking like Rupert Everett, Um, you know, it, it was just, it it was just so I was just watching because I'm like, I cannot believe someone made this. Also, too, how has like I asked this of Joshua when we were watching it, how has like n- how have there not been any like drag like live readings of this? Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, that'd be great. I'd love to see that. Or like not maybe not drag, but like definitely like, you know, get a bunch of queer, funny queer people in and just have them do the whole thing. Like I would probably I would like I would totally pair this movie with House on uh, Haunted Hill. Totally. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would actually really love to see that. I'd love to see like you know, the like who who's all the gay ones that like everybody that's in Ryan Murphy stuff now. So like Cheyenne Jackson, Jackson or um Who's the other one? Uh, Finn Whitrock or... Yeah, exactly. Oh, no. oh you're talking about like the actual them. gay people. Oh, Matt the Bomer. The actual gay people. Yes, yes, Matt Bomer. I'd love to see them. Kate McKinnon should play the June uh, mm-hmm. or Janet character. Like, just all, like, the gayest, like, out people to redo this film. It can't be, though. Like, very... Like, John Waters should direct it. I love this idea. Who would you get to play the Jimmy Stewart part? Um the the James Cadell or whatever his name Rupert Rupert Cadell yeah Rupert Cadell so it depends because okay so again this was based on a play that was a little bit more because it was theater they could get away with stuff a little bit more so the play is a lot more explicit and even implies that the boys have probably had like a threesome with him so in what? the play he's a bit he's a bit younger and he's like a daddy kind of type so he's like a sexy daddy. He can be red. Oh, did you, you know, watch so White there... Lotus? No, is that, oh. is that what that's about? No, I was gonna say if you you didn't watch, um, well, no, because did you watch the Tales of the City, um, Netflix thing? I'm trying to think no, of something you may. I have saw watched. the original a long time ago. But... Okay, well, there's an actor, uh... but I am personally familiar with this dynamic of your. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I mean, say Murray Bartlett. I would think that would be an actor who would play the Cadell part then. Cause he yeah. kind of has like, he gives off like an older daddy energy. Um, 
Mm. I was thinking Hugh Jackman, but that's just my own. <laughs> don't don't bring in your personal taste to this, Joshua. Um, uh, so it's implied that they've all like three of them fucked. I think that that yeah, it can, it's a little bit more blurred. Uh, he's younger, less of a father figure, more of a daddy in the play mm. uh, is is the idea. So um, yeah, the of the affair. Oh, what says the affair? One of the murders had with their professor. So I'm not sure which. This is again referencing this Hayes co- decoding uh, article, um, which you could find in the show notes. Um, yeah, the idea that, yes, something else was going on. And so, again, which adds a whole other thing to the dynamic that not only maybe did he, you know, take them down this evil path of sin to be homosexuals, but he also is the one who gave them their philosophy that makes them think that they're allowed to be murderers. You know, so it adds this again, the whole like gays, you know, as villains mm-hmm. uh, twist, you know, to the film, which I mean, again, is really interesting because at once it's positing that, you know, like, they're wealthy, they're cultured, cultured, uh, you know, that they're, which again, a lot of things, you know, equate that as being better, as being good, as being, you know, valuable to society, while at the same time, they're like these degenerate gay murderers. And so it's like the, you know, the film and the play are really playing with some interesting, um, you know, concepts, again, which have been echoed mm-hmm. now into, modern, these are not new things to us, obviously, but in 1948, and further in 1920, I mean, gosh, the play came out in 19, 19- 29 i think only yeah 1929 only four years after or five years after if i can add 1924 yeah five years after the leopold Loeb case so it was just like super fresh you know to, to stage this kind of show and even then only 25 years in the past to like make a film about it you mm-hmm. know um that's so callous i mean this film has a real callousness to it you know just in in the sense of like yeah, we murdered him and we're going to get away with it and go us. Yeah. Aren't we wonderful? So I, and the, just the like, so nice. <laughs> the like you, eugenic, yeah, the, you do the, the eugenic justification, yeah. right. For murder, but also to like, it's so, I mean, like e- even in their own justification for the murder, it doesn't hold up because like David Kentley presumably also rolls in the same circles that they do. They like intimately know him. Uh, be- like they know his like fiance. They know his father. Like he comes from, I mean, in the context of the pl- of the of the movie, he comes from good breeding. So it's like, you know, is it that whoever is like the lesser beings are just people who didn't think, who weren't smart enough to not get murdered, right? <laughs> Well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, because if he was as good as them, he wouldn't have been murdered. He would have figured it out. He would have been smart enough to know they're up to something. Mm -hmm. Uh, But again, like, and that's the question. It's like, why did they, how'd they even get him there? I mean, well, I guess they were classmates, so it doesn't really infer, you know, I I think we can pull from this that typical, like, kind of uh, queer, you know, reading that it's like destroying, you know, literally destroying like straight people's lives, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh, they murdered the fiance of this woman and left her, you know, bereft and, yeah. you know, without a future. Uh, but she has one. She can go with the other guy. Um, exactly. It's that easy, which I love. They're so dismissive. They're just like, well, this other guy's here. Isn't he a delight? Uh, can we talk for just a second about uh, what was her name? Uh, Mrs. Wilson. They're like, whoever i don't know like hag she, yeah she's she their was, housekeeper 
yeah, housekeeper, but she was like cooking stuff, doing other things, whatever. So yes, uh, um, uh, Mrs. Wilson, a domestic like Magenta, uh, <laughs> and not far off uh, from Magenta, actually, with some of the crazy things she says. Uh, she leans over the table, warned the woman about calories. That was hilarious. Calories. <laughs> calories. <laughs> While her fiance's body rots, you know, but she doesn't know that. So, but it's just, it's very funny that it's like, you know, there's this dead body in her trunk with all this food on top of it. And it's like, it's just such an odd, because you know, it's like the dramatic irony of it, you know, the tension of it all. Um, you know, to be careful of those dear calories. Uh, also, all the conversation about like eating chicken, choking chickens, <laughs> like it's a lot of like, you know, and I, that used to be, I don't know, I, I feel like it's gone out of fashion, but like chicken, chicken hawk, things like that were like gay slangs. You know, I don't know if have you ever heard of that. The only time I've ever heard chicken hawk was at your home. Like it was either you or it might've been Johnny, but somebody said it. And I was like, I can infer using context clues what you're talking about, but I did not know that that was a thing. I think, well, again, it's because we're just, you know, we're old. Um, And well, and like, you know, how Jeffrey likes old slang in order to use old like words. So I think there's kind of a thing of like keeping some of that, like, and it also may be um, dependent on like where you grew up. So maybe it's just like, because we grew up in Ohio, but if Johnny brought it up, I mean, who knows? Anyways, point is chickens like you, like a twink. That's a, you know, that's, mm. a, that's chicken. And then a chicken hawk is like, you know, a twink hound or something now, whatever we're calling them these days. Yeah. Um, you know, a daddy is zaddy. I have no idea. Um, yeah, there we go. Chicken hawks. But I wonder when, um, I was trying to see if I could find uh, a date for that because I was wondering, you know, when we first started using that term, because it could inform like with this, like, you know, some of the chicken references is that like, are they trying to be, you know, cause some of it can, might just really truly be innocent things. Like there might be stuff in here that of course we are, you know, looking back, this film is, what did yeah. I say? It's from 1948. So Jesus, it's, you know, old, it's, this is the old fucking film. It can get Medicare. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it qualifies probably. Yes. Um, so, you know, so there are probably things in it that aren't really meant to be queer, but I don't know. Part of me is like, eh, I don't know. I've got like some queer books from the twenties um, and story set then that use that kind of terminology. So I think it's, I think it's pretty old. Um, so I just feel like there's some references here. Anyways, back to Mrs. Wilson. Uh, yeah, she's hilarious and a delight. Don't you want, want don't you want her coming in and out of your house? No. Um, she, <laughs> she also like, she's like implying that she's going to like run off with like Mr. Cadell, like with Rupert. Oh. And I'm just like, this is so strange. So like, she knows him from something and like is now there like domestic, but you know, thinks that she's got a, you know, she's got a shot with uh, Mr. Cadell. Uh, yeah. It's, it's just really strange again. Like, so if we were to do like um, if we were to do a movie, a, a curated film experience of just like, you know, create uh, like uh really wild um like domestics and gay films it would be this in the birdcage um, ah, yeah yeah and what you could pull what's her name from rebecca she's fine oh yeah she's also <laughs> fine whatever her name is that that old lesbian um yeah it, it just seems like she was just there to 
Uh, she was just more like, oh, you know, I'm here to do this. But she also, again, because she's an older woman and she has that um, rapport with them, she's like, you know, my table was just fine <laughs> throwing it before you moved everything, but also not like she doesn't have the authority over them because she lets them do it. But right, what's their place, yeah. whatever. But yeah, she's very, very judgy. Uh, that's something else is I think it's a one bedroom apartment. I think that's another thing that gives us that reference that, yeah, something is, you know, something is amiss um, mm-hmm. with these two. Uh, he, oh my gosh, he ties up the books with the fucking rope they used to choke the guy and gives that rope to the dead man's father. That mm-hmm. whole thing, the drama. <laughs> to go back like I, when that when i saw that part i was like what that is so cruel like the cruelty of it like yeah. i could see why people walked out of this film were upset about this movie you know because at the yeah. time like that just that is so you know when you, if you take the film really seriously there's yeah. just stuff in it that you're like wow that girl brandon is a messy bitch that lives for yes. drama <laughs> Yes, right. <laughs> she's like Madison Montgomery. What is it? She's like checking the the Grim Reaper off or whatever. <laughs> like that's her. Like she and Madison Montgomery, you know, a little Emma Roberts. Yes. They need to pair up. That's that's a movie. That's great. They'll, they'll murder everybody and cackle about it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, man, I didn't really have uh, too many other notes just because it was fun just to watch this movie and just be like, wow. Um, I, oh, I was so surprised that I had such a good time watching it. Um, yeah. but again, like it needs to be, this is just like, I, I, so I recently did, um, I recently, uh, was on a panel of like, you know, LGBT, um, LGBT representation in like professional life for some college students. And um, it, it was really cool. Cause I was just, um, I was talking about like, you know, what it's like to be out and proud in your workplace. And um, when they did the Q and a, I like offered up, I'm like, Hey, so like, I'm not just a, I, I don't, I'm not just like, you know, a person who works. I also like love horror and especially queer horror. And like that opened the all of the Q and a questions were specifically about queer horror and queer coding things. And so people were just like, you know, what are you, what are your favorite films? And I was like, oh, easy. Jennifer's Body, Karen Kusama, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I mentioned, um, I mentioned Bride of Frankenstein, James Whale. You know, I was like, yeah, it's about two men who want to create life outside of like a womb. (laughs) And like the eyes of this crowd just opened up. And I'm like, this is what Fright School is all about. Um, Oh my gosh. I'm so jealous. I really wish I could have been there. We need to like host our own. We need to get all those people Mm -hmm. to come over and listen to Fright School. (laughs) But like (laughs) all of that to say is that I wish I had seen this film before that. So I could have just, you know, brought it up as well and have a whole new generation yeah, yeah, yeah. You, this this has a lot of really good stuff in it. Uh, and yeah, super fun. Just a fun, ridiculous watch. So one of the big, you know, conversations within it. So, you know, need to go to our books and uh, look at uh, Nietzsche, uh, you know, Frederick Nietzsche and his idea of like the Ubermensch and, um, you know, this idea of like the you know, Superman, superhuman, overhuman. Um. Are you all right? No, I'm. You're saying you were doing things, and I was just. Uh, oh, <laughs> you're just directing. I love it. Yeah. 
uh, yeah. So this idea of like getting away from like Christian values, morals, you know, things like that. And, you know, this, 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 um, outside of, of all of that and, you know, the human ideal. And I was curious, you know, when you, you know, have you heard of that before that conversation? Was that something that, um, you were familiar with watching the movie when they mentioned the, the Nietzschean Superman? No. <laughs> I'm surprised because it's come up in other movies. I think like doesn't well, I guess that's more literal Superman um in Kill Bill. He's not really referred. I mean, he could probably there's some Nietzschean stuff there, but um I think yeah, the concept gets into other things. Uh and other and obviously out of like, you know, that Leopold and Lope case, things that are inspired by that of being better, you know, of being like I alone am intelligent enough and you know value you know enough to make the decisions of what should and shouldn't be immoral and shouldn't be uh mm-hmm. should be right um yeah i don't know i get maybe there's not really much to discuss there <laughs> i should have like sent you something to read about it <laughs> to apply i mean it's on it's on display it's not even again this, that's not subtext for the film it's like clearly you know in there uh, they they discuss it pretty openly. Uh, do you think such a such a person could exist, Joe? Can you be? Do you think you would be an Ubermensch? No. no. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I sometimes think about like. Sorry, I'm laughing because, like, you know, Joe. Let's talk about Nietzsche and Ubermensch, and you know, because this. I'm, no. Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah, you're <laughs> Yeah, you're not here for it. It's okay. It's fine. Um, but you were saying, I will, I, well, I will say this is that, and I think I've talked about this a little bit on the on the show before. Uh, and this, you know, you know, I I don't really consider it controversial, but whatever. I do think in some ways my life as a queer person has been better <laughs> than a lot of straight people I know, um, and a lot of straight people in the world. So there are there are times where I where I think about queerness is like something that's like as much as people want to make it into a cage or want to say that you're abnormal or, or, you know, take rights away or think that they can decide they're like, there's a world that I have experienced that they never will. And I'm sad for them. You know, I'm sad for straight people who hate us or for people who, you know, anybody, I guess, who hates queer people, queer people who hate themselves um, you know, who think that there's something ugly or monstrous about our lives or that we're trying to, you know, poison children. It's like, oof, no, um, I, I'd much rather, you know, I saw a tweet that was really good where it was like, yeah, I'd much rather my kids be babysat by a drag queen than a priest. Like, yeah. Ha- amen. Hallelujah to that. Uh, you know, but I just think about how colorful our world is, how interesting our world is, you know, the, the, the places we move, the things that we do. So when I think about like these kinds of thoughts of like, you know, of, of, of superiority. It's like, I don't think I'm necessarily on the, on the level of like, I'm better than you. So I should have the right to kill you. Like that's fucked up. Obviously. I don't believe that I'm very Mm -hmm. much like everybody should get to live their lives. However they want, as long as you don't infringe on the rights of other people, um, you know, or harm other people in, in the process. But there is part of me that's like in watching this film, I'm like, I don't know. Sometimes I do feel a lot better than, (laughs) than some people who live very dull, colorless, lives on purpose you know or like you know they reject so much so there are there are times where i think about these kind of concepts within that term um you know 
like go out there. And even if you're straight, like you, like th- this isn't like a thing against straight people either. It's anybody who's like, you know, not wanting to like live their life to the fullest potential or are scared to, mm-hmm. you know, or scared of other people. Like, cause that's, that's why everything is so fucked up, you know, cause we're all like afraid of the other and like, we're just trying to party, you know, we're just trying to have a party, you know, with with our dead schoolmate's body in a trunk. No. <laughs> we, you know, who, and it's also like not, it, it's not clear whether or not they actually disliked him or anything. It's just that they just did it no. because they could. But, um, yeah, just because they could. Uh, to your point about like queerness and just like, I it's think. It's Pride Month. You know, we could talk uh, about this. <laughs> um, I, I have to say, Joshua, that like within the last, um, Within the last two years, and thinking a lot about it, you know, because like all the time we had to think during, uh, you know, COVID season one, uh, pre-vaccination. <laughs> right. Um, Jeez. I was like, yeah, if I could like do it over again, like I would be queerer. I would want to be gayer. Like I really, yeah. I sincerely would. Because I struggle with that question for a long time. And I think I've come to terms with like, yeah, I would like want to be more open and expressive. And it's just interesting because it's like, well, why don't I just go out and do it, right? Why don't I just go out and do it now? And I think that um, in the same way that, in the same way that, you know, people just, you know, don't wear, people don't wear certain colors or don't wear certain patterns, you know, because it's just not in, you know, not in their nature and on who they are. I think it's the same way for me. But I have found myself becoming more at peace with various, like, expanding the expression of my gender and queerness. There you um, go. You know, rising up, you know, it's like, we're not better than other people. We just got to be better than who we were yesterday, like for ourselves. I love you know? that. That's so sweet. Like, just, you know, finding those ultimate versions of ourselves. And that's yeah. been something to watch. Cause I think when I first met you, I mean, I knew you were gay. I think you were out to friends and stuff all yeah. those years ago, but you weren't out to family. Oh mm-hmm. my, are we getting too personal? Should I be sharing this? Uh, go ahead. Uh, go off, sure, go off sure queen. Your story, you know, but it's been really cool to watch that over the last, you know, 11, 12 years, however long we've now known each other, like that you have really embraced like, you know, the world that's out there and available to you, you know, in yeah. a way that, you know, I think is, um, and again, I mean, you're way better, I think, at like, <laughs> like engaging with queer content than, than I am. Like, I'm very specific about what I, what I watch and what I, what I want to engage with. So you're very good about kind of even broadening beyond like the horizons I have. So <laughs> as queer as I can be. <laughs> well, thank but, you, you, Joshua. Know. I I've come to really like, one of the things that I've, I, I, I heard a quote, it was a few years ago where I heard a quote where it was like, I think it was TJ actually that posted something. Um, and it was something along the lines of like, you know, the uh, people who are uh, uh, queer people, femme presenting people in general um, are in order to like, in order to um, display their authenticity they're choosing their authenticity over safety in many ways especially you know for queer people who are friend presenting um and and that to me like was really resonant i was like wow like you know femme people need to be protected (laughs) at all and people who uh, and it, it not in like a paternalistic way by any means but in like in the in the way that supported you know supported exactly And, and then also like that also kind of, uh, opening my eyes to, uh, opening my eyes wider 
to the already like awful misogyny that exists within like cis gay men as well too. Right. Of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I know we talked a lot about that in the beginning. So mm-hmm. <laughs> of our relationship, yeah. So I have a lot of rules for things like that. So <laughs> yeah. but um it's very, yeah, it's very, very cool. So oh look at that. We started on, uh, you know, this film that's so look. like callous and arch and you know okay hold on you keep saying arch i need you to explain it to me because i'm you trying to use context clues but i'm like arch like like arch like arch and like arch nemesis or arch and like archbishop like is it or arch like like man like when it's like arch it's like like you're creeping over and you're hunched over like this and like you know going through the shadows so you're arched over like is it like that or um, I mean, I could also look it up. So, well, I'm trying to think like, cause I've never really thought to like, try to explain what I mean. It's almost like camp, like explaining camp because mm-hmm. arch is just very like, I don't know. I don't know what it originates with, but I think of like, you know, arch diver. I think of very like, <laughs> like they're just moments of like, you know, it's like, kind of dramatic. It's yeah. like, you know, um, uh, like histrionic like yeah kind of i just used a bigger word to describe arch <laughs> this one right. syllable word um, um like um okay like uh like a disney yeah villain. being superior knowing more than other people an arch look you know mm-hmm. uh yes very disney villains i think of like maleficent as being arch um especially like the cartoon version of her um not not so much the angelina jolie although she is she's definitely arch uh, yeah, so it's more of that, like being, you know, it's, yeah, I think that's probably the best way to describe it. Does, you know? does that mean? Ca- I think it's campy a little bit. Yeah, you know? but is it, but so if that's the definition of arch, then does that mean that like your arch nemesis is a nemesis who thinks they are or are is actually superior to you? I'm not exactly sure the origin of arch nemesis, uh. but it could be. Um. Hmm. Yeah, I was seeing through other like you know archetype. Um, yeah, I don't know. Should have looked that up before, but yeah, I often you know just think of it like it's gay too. It can be you know associated with gay things. Oh my gosh, we need to create. We need to like open up a gay bar and call it Arch. Yeah. <laughs> People come and be like, what does this mean? What does this have to do with anything? You know, everybody will be com- confused. But yeah, so I just think a bit more of that, of like, you know, kind of like, ha ha ha, you know, I know more than you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, listener. <laughs> <laughs> no, not the listener. They know, they know way more than me, but um, at least more than you, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, I just think it's like dramatic villainous, you know. I'm sure it has other connotations, but that's kind of what I think of. You know, I just think of Brandon, you know, talking with, all, you know, starting this conversation of like, shouldn't we all be able to murder whoever we want? It's just yeah. it's so dramatic when there's a body. Like, it's just, you know, and he's smoking and his, he, his eyebrow is arch. He's arch. <laughs> it's very, very arch, you know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Anyways, if somebody out there wants to clear that up or make it clear, please send us a nice definition. But I think it's like camp. Like, you know it when you see it. You yeah. know what camp is. But how Oh, do my you, gosh. We should, we should host a it? ball. And we just call the category is Arch. 
Serving up. I dug up my old um, cigarette case because that the whole movie made me want to like smoke, of course, because <laughs> everybody's smoking. I don't I don't smoke anymore. But yeah, I dug out. I found this and I was like, oh, I, I kept it because it's, you know, about some ASMR. You know. uh, oh my gosh! It's, it's a really pretty, uh, pretty little case. You know, um, it's a little beat up from years of you know, like. Around, but... Did you put like you put like cigarettes in there? Or you? Yeah, like... I did. Well, yeah, my black and or the cloves. I smoked the clove cigarettes. Um, hmm. I also kept joints, obviously. Did you say black and milds? Did you put black and milds? I did say there? black and milds first, but no, I didn't put black and milds <laughs> in this. Those I kept in a different, you know, thing in my pocket. Um, cause I did smoke those for a long time too. When I was like 18, 19, did you smoke your like black and milds, like on the, like the Cruella DeVille, like long cigarette holder? No, but I was the worst, like 18, 19 years old in the club, wearing my sunglasses, smoking black and milds, like black and like those things. They're like fucking cigarillos or whatever, you know, like it was, I don't know. I don't know who I was or what I was doing. Uh, but yeah, I had my big giant sunglasses on. I'd have my long hair, you know, my outfits, you know how I am with like a fucking black and mild. And then I changed over to clove cigarettes. This is fascinating for everybody <laughs> listening. My point was that the cigarette case that he, I made me, I was like, oh, I'm going to dig that out and have that for, to show Joe, you know, like, oh, look, I have a cigarette case. I Did can you love that, like when I suspect people of murdering others. Yes. Did you love that Jimmy Stewart's cigarette case was basically like a carton? Like it just was oh, this. that was hilarious. <laughs> I opened it was huge. Yeah. I was like, when oh. he took that out, I was like, oh, a woman do carry an evening bag at dinner time. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. And you know what they say about men with you know giant cigarette holders. Um, yes, they're gay. I don't know what they do, but yes, uh, a woman do carry. <laughs> that's perfect. I should we should have left it at that. That was great. All right. Well, dear listener, that was 1948's rope. By Miss Alfred Hitchcock herself. <laughs> look, by, at her, look at her, Miss Alfred. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so it's Pride Month. So get out there, support some queer content creators uh, like us, maybe. Patreon.com slash Fright School. I promise that won't happen every episode. We're just, we're just, we're only starting. So it's just, uh, it's new, it's fresh. So we're telling you about it. Uh, but thank you for listening. Or if you already subscribed, thank you for watching this. Hello. Hello. Uh, and Joe, as always, I adore thee. And uh, good night. Good night. Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. <laughs> listening to the Geekscape Network.